This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive. This is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show! Welcome to another show, show 39 show. or 40 or something like that. It's around there, which means The Rock is coming soon. Yes, if you guys didn't know, The Rock starring Ed Harris is number 50. That'll be coming up here in about... Two months and a half or if you're so. Friends with Ed, just let him know. Just, just let, let him, him know. know. Yeah, I'm calling it right now. Ed Harris will be somewhere in the world when we do the show. I, I, but hopefully he's pretty... in here with us. Uh, <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about something else entirely, and that is that is immortality. Take it. It's yours. We are lions. <laughs> we're talking about Troy and all of the 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 tan and blonde and absiness of this movie of 2004's Wolfgang Peterson epic film the adaptation of the Iliad by Homer yeah Troy about the great battle of Troy and, whether yes. it even, and it's not even about whether it happened or not but that's a big thing that historians have been talking about lately is whether it happened or not and which site it is we're not going to get into that because that's not what this is about no this <laughs> is about a much sweeter thing than that and that is the film yes the film adaptation of Troy so this is Action Movie Anatomy guys I'm your host Ben Bateman and this is Mr. Andrew Guy wearing my pink shirt good to see you guys yeah guys welcome welcome to the show this is uh this is a, it's another one of these weird movies where uh, Andrew grew up watching this movie, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I had never seen this movie, yeah. so this was this was a new one where I like got to. And I think to some degree, um, the film benefited from having an audience when it first came out, yes. and has suffered greatly in the time since it came out because. I mean, it's not like this movie was ever regarded as like a critical masterpiece. It was always pretty mediocre, like at, right around the sixty percenters. Right. But I mean, as a new watcher, I was—it's like a head scratcher for me. It's another one of those uh, like Independence Day, where you ask people, "Have you seen Troy?" And they're like, "Oh my god, I love Troy. That movie's sweet." And then they go back and they watch it, all three hours of it, and they're like, "This is not good. No. This is not a great movie." And because when I pit, I was sitting there and we were trying to figure out what movie we were going to do because we were supposed to be be doing 13 hours and due to scheduling conflicts we just couldn't make it happen and I was looking at my DVD collection and I was looking through them and I saw Troy and I was like oh, I had that moment the same moment when I thought of The Patriot yeah which was a smashing which success a great movie <laughs> damn him this, damn that man damn him damn that man uh this did not go over so well. <laughs> did not. Uh, but, like, ultimately, it's like a very, very entertaining... Absolutely. Very, very entertaining movie. I mean, as soon as I could let go of the idea that this was going to be a good movie, right. this was just going to be pure entertainment, which is what the middle category in our show often is, mm-hmm. um, then it became quite entertaining to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. We talk about action movies on this show. The action movies on this show adhere to four basic rules, after, as well as being made after 1981, which is just like a loose framework we use. Uh, rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. And it's hard to know really who the hero in this movie is, but I guess if it's Brad Pitt, he definitely plays by his own rules. That's true. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, pirates, dinosaurs, whatever in the room. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. And when we say political, it means they can either be the man or work for the man. So they could be an MTA operator and they're taking a pill in one, two, three. And lastly, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Um, there are explosions in this film. Yes. There are a lot of oily shots of Brad Pitt's abs in this film. Explosive. His abs play by their own rules. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they do. And they're the smartest people in the room. Yeah. <laughs> On either side. Just like, I don't know what we're doing right now. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I guess he's he's a warrior. He's a, he's a soldier. So well, he's, Hector, if we, if we talked Hector, you know, like... Yeah. He's 
I don't know. They're both military to some degree. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, they're Achilles both soldiers. Is the warlord out there. Yeah, so they're both soldiers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, who are the smartest people in the room? Achilles is... No, he's not, though. He's not. It's definitely Peter O'Toole. Yeah. But he's not really... I don't know, Brian man. Cox, I feel like, maybe is the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> Even though he looks like the dumbest guy in the room. <laughs> he's, so, he's so fat and arrogant. <laughs> he's just the greatest. Every single... <laughs> Every single costume that he wears, which is hilarious because this movie was nominated for costume uh, design, he looks like a fat guy shoved in a Halloween costume. And I love Brian Cox. He's one of my favorites. Love him. To to death. Like, Brian Cox is like, he's like, for me, not quite on the Wilkinson level, but he's like one, maybe a half half a step behind Wilkinson on that, like, feels like he could play anything character kind of Mm -hmm. level. But I do have to say that if Wilkinson was in this role, I probably would have bought it a little more. Right. But then again, you never know. Because I love Brendan Gleeson as well, and he looks exactly the same. Just yeah, strange does. and fat and, like, wearing a weird <laughs> costume. Um, anyway, so that's what we do here on the show is we uh, we cover movies that have those four basic rules. So uh, aside from that, um, you can find us on Twitter. We have a Twitter now on called AMA Podcast. If you guys look that up, you can tweet at us during the show. Yep. I am Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. I'm Andrew Guy. You can find me at Andrew Guy. Yes. And aside from that, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Uh, we, If you give us like ratings and reviews on iTunes, it'll help us stay higher in the standings. People find out about the show. We keep doing the show. We obviously provide free content, and it's easier to do if people know about us and keep listening. So uh, give us a rating or a review. Check out the other Popcorn Shock shows on iTunes as well. Yeah. Should we, uh, should we show the trailer? To Let's Troy? do it. Let's do the trailer. Let's cue the trailer. Like, that's an interesting shot for a 2004 trailer already. Doesn't mm-hmm. look weird. Years ago, yeah. The passion for one woman. The passion for one woman. the greatest battle ever fought. For love. <laughs> I should just take that tagline. <laughs> Will you go to war with me, brother? We're sending the largest fleet that ever sailed. We need the greatest warrior. Achilles can't be controlled. Ah. Oh, this trailer's better than the movie. Yeah. First, you need victory. I want to ask you to fight my war. You already have. You already have. I submit to a foreign ruler. Pitt's like jump punch that he does with the sword, like three different times. I wish they only did it the once or twice. No, it's his signature move. It's a sweet move. It's super, super sweet move. No, oh, Diana Kruger dropping trout. She is gorgeous. <laughs> like Diana Kruger, the most interesting thing in the film. Right? Zero question. Dude, that trailer is sweet. It's a sweet trailer. It's a very good trailer. Yeah, yeah. If I watch if I watched that trailer, Damn. I probably would have thought that that was gonna be a good movie. And it was. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, yeah. So anyway, that that is the trailer for Troy. Uh, a, a very above average trailer, and uh, makes me want to just go watch the film again until uh, you start watching the film again. Though I, I do have to say that this movie um, is like an, a level of entertainingly dumb at times mm-hmm. to the point that like I think this would be fun on rewatch. Like I think yeah. actually now that I've now that I've seen it and we've like laughed about parts of it. Yeah. Um, I think this movie would be sweeter to watch. Than it seemed while I was expecting it to be a better movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah, there would definitely need to be some substances involved, whatever they may be, yeah. whether it's wine or scotch or yeah. a plant. Um, <laughs> whatever it needs to be, it, it, it matters. You need it on the rewatch. Yeah, um, absolutely. So this next thing we're going to do here is a segment that we do called Action Movie Tagline. And so this is a thing that we started doing kind of recently where uh, basically like when we were kids and we would go to the actual video store. I know video stores like don't really exist anymore, but back in the day, you would go to the video store and the VHS tapes would be all like lined up along the wall. And we would, you know, you worked in a blockbuster for a while as a kid. and it was a good time. Yeah, I used to walk to Hollywood Video in my neighborhood and go and peruse the boxes. And on the fronts of the boxes, you'd always have these little, these little like, uh, snippets, like a w- part of a longer review, you know, like a slam-bang action thriller or a non-stop adrenaline thrill ride or something. And then you'd flip the movie over and, you know, there'd be like a longer quote, like part of the New York Times review or something. And That's so, what we're doing. Yeah, so we came up with our own action movie taglines now. Okay. Uh, and we each we like each share one. And so we came up with our own action movie taglines. For Troy, they don't have to be that serious. Sometimes they are. Okay, well, I'm going to do... I think mine's a little more serious today. Okay. It's, it's a little stupid. Mine's not. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. Yeah. <clears throat> be prepared to feel like a god among men as the mighty Achilles tears 
through Hector's unstoppable Trojan army, all for the face of a beautiful woman. Brian Cox, Brendan Gleeson, Brad Pitt, Peter O'Toole, Diane Kruger, Orlando Bloom, Sean Bean, Eric Bana. I don't care. I can't list any more of them. <laughs> Troy. Troy. <laughs> Very good. Uh, you know. You know. It's solid. I just wanted to list all 20 of the people. It would, yeah, it's funny. I see where you were going with that. I'm glad. Comedy. Yes. You do improv. I do. Good. <laughs> good for you, Drew. Um, I'm going to see if I can deliver mine. I'm hoping that I can do this and not trip up because I think I might. But I'm going to try anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you really set yourself up for failure here. <laughs> here we go. Break out the bronzer. <laughs> all right, let's start. Let's start. Sorry. Break out the bronzer because this summer boasts a film too hot to handle. Brad Pitt's face may as well be the face that launched a thousand ships. <laughs> Sex, violence, more bronzer. <laughs> Brad Pitt is Troy. He's not. <laughs> That's the whole point of the movie, though. It's all they sold. Oh, that's good. That's real good. More bronzer. There's a lot of bronzer in this a film. A lot of bronzer, yeah. You do, like, six months of training to, to look like the way he looks. Yeah. He, I mean, he gets insanely jacked. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, almost like Almost, like, uncomfortable to look at how jacked it he is. It is uncomfortable. Yeah, like, at times early on in the film, you're like, the only people that are that tan, this sculpted, are porn stars. People like, that have sex for money. Yeah. Like, dudes, <laughs> the dudes in porn are, like, that, like, j- are that jacked. Like, yeah. to an uncomfortable gross It's like, degree. every time you look at him and you, like, see, like, the, the crease that goes down to his pelvis, you're yeah. kind of like, okay. Yeah. All right. And he just worked his, like, I've heard about the diet and the workout. Oh, like, it's insane. Because he's a pretty little dude. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody always talks about in Fight Club how there's, like, the shot with the glove on and, like, yeah, how he's, like, the most jacked dude in the world and everybody wanted to have, like, the Brad Pitt body because he's, like, super lean and super cut. But he weighed, like, 150 pounds or something. He yeah. was, he's tiny in, in that movie. Um, whereas in this movie, I think he, I think he's, like, 30 or 40 pounds heavier. Like, yeah. He had to quit smoking. Yeah. Like, he was, he was going, and he tore his Achilles, which yeah, is very Achilles. ironic. Yeah, running around in the sand. Yeah. Yeah, during filming. Um, anyway, that's our action movie tagline, guys. Mm-hmm. So, uh. This was good. It was good. Thank you. I actually think I had another line that I forgot, but, uh, you know, it worked. Yeah, I <laughs> forgot, like, four characters, and I listed nine already, so. Yeah. I All just right. like that you guys, you laughed out loud when I said break out the bronzer. I just didn't know where it was going, man. <laughs> uh, Alright guys, so this next thing we're gonna do here is called thesis statement. So this is kinda what it sounds like. Uh, we talk about the film and we share a strong opinion, something that is really rooted in like a, a very, very strong opinion about the film. And so this is supposed to kind of like sell what you believe about the movie, uh, and we kinda defend it all throughout the episode. It shouldn't be anything too loose. It shouldn't be this is my favorite Brad Pitt movie or like, you know, it should be like maybe this is the first time this ever happened. This is the greatest this, uh, and that's or even you, you can go a little more broad if you want, right? But it should be a strong opinion. Yeah. Uh, would you like to go first or shall I? I, I will go first. I will All go right. first. And my thesis is that this movie is the greatest example of the correlation of how good a movie is to how young you are. Okay. <laughs> when it came out, right? And how fucked up you are. <laughs> like directly because this movie is not good yeah it's not a good movie I it's enjoyable kind of but it's so long yeah uh, so this movie the reason that I was so stoked on this movie is because I watched it in college with my roommates a lot and as you can imagine a lot of things go on in college that make you a little um, you're in a better mood yeah your decision making is impaired <laughs> your your motor skills are impaired maybe you're a little more willing to cheer for things and <laughs> And when I went back and watched this movie, I was like, yeah, that's exactly, that's why this movie was so good, is because I watched this movie when I was, like, 18, 19, and 20. Yeah. And uh, and with my roommates in college. It should be noted, though, just for anybody listening who's hearing us say that Troy is not a good movie. It's not that it's a, yeah, sorry, go it, ahead. It should be noted that, like, I can name at least five movies we've done on this show. We've covered, like, knowing the movie's not a good movie. Like, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Con Air. Con Air's not a good it's movie. not a good movie. I love that movie. Yeah, Independence Day. Not face a good movie. Off. No. But, but, very entertaining movies. It's Absolutely. just, when you go into those movies, because, well, not Taking. Taking is closer to this. But those others, Face Off and Con Air, they're, like, part of that, that genre of film where, like, you know it's really silly, and you're going into it to mm-hmm. watch a silly movie. This is an Oscar-nominated epic, directed yeah. by the guy... That directed Das Boot. Like, yeah. this is supposed to be incredible. I and mean, it's, and the cast. 
Yeah. There's like two hundred. It's like five hundred movie credits combined in this movie for all the actors. I mean, Brad Pitt says in in one of his interviews about this film that he modeled his character. The he said because one of the questions is like, did you find it so difficult to play such an arrogant character because you're such kind of a reserved dude? Like he's a pretty quiet guy in real life. Brad mm-hmm. Pitt's not like a big. He's not cocky. Right. Um, he doesn't say a lot of stuff in the media. Um, he was like, I just modeled my approach after. Peter O'Toole and Lawrence of Arabia. Right. He compares Achilles to Peter O'Toole and Lawrence of Arabia. Sweet. One of maybe the five or ten greatest movies of all time. And like, performances and... Yeah, like... Peter O'Toole is so good in this movie. And he's great in this movie. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, like, what they were going for. He's, like, watching Lawrence of Arabia and spending seven months preparing for this movie. And then, like, what you get is, like, some strange crossbreed of, like... Of, a, like... Like, like, like... A porno and like the Patriot or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's like and trying like a to be gladiator. Movie. Yeah, I don't even know. So, I think that your enjoyment of this movie directly correlates to all those things that I just mentioned: age, when it came out, and how drunk you are. Fair enough. Um, so, I thought a lot about this because the biggest complaint that I had for this movie, the biggest thing that I think detracts from it, is that I think this movie has no soul. Um, it, yes, it feels it, it is void almost entirely of any emotional. Uh, like it doesn't trigger anything. There's one emotional scene in the movie. Yeah, and I will talk about that a little yeah. later. But I, I, yeah, I, I mean, obviously this is subject to opinion, so people could probably like certain scenes we don't like as much. But on the whole, a movie as long as this with as great of actors as this movie has, because the cast is studs. It's like, amazing, loaded. I love everyone that's acting in this movie for the yeah, most part. Great actors. Um, so what I thought about was that like the adaptation of, of the Iliad by Homer is. Um, it's a, a story, a mythical story of kings and warriors and, and a huge battle and, and these legendary warriors. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to learn all these lessons when you watch Troy. Like it's supposed to echo all of these, you know what I mean? It's an analog for all these real life Absolutely. lessons that would still apply in real life. That You know, arrogance is tragic and all that. I think that the real lesson learned here is the studio system. Troy Troy is like a, is a great metaphor for the studio system. And like greed? Greed, yeah, greed yeah. and arrogance being Absolutely. your downfall. Because this movie cost $175 million to make and, and, and wanted in every way to be Gladiator. It wanted mm-hmm. to be a movie like that. That's what they were going for. And ultimately, you're rushing this movie out after Braveheart wins Best Picture in 95 and Gladiator wins Best Picture in 2000. And now you've got the biggest movie star in the world in 03 in Brad Pitt. You know, it's like him and Cruz in 03, yeah. like the guys. And you're rushing this movie out and you're saying, okay, we're just going to. Let's let's make Brad Pitt the golden god. Let's make him, you know, the the most beautiful, like jacked warrior in the world. Surround him with great actors. Mm-hmm. Let's just go for it. Spend a shitload of money and build these crazy sets. And at the end of the day, like it's a bad script. It it doesn't like the the writing is is not good. The Mm-mm. the editing it, it cut thirty minutes out of the film. Which, I mean, this movie the costume design is so good, but the set design looks really cheesy and chintzy. Horrible, and the lighting it's it's it you feel like you're watching. A movie. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. just feel like you're looking at a set. I mean, when you go watch, say, Gone with the Wind or a movie from that era, like, it looks dated for a reason. It's, right. It's from 70 years ago. Well, go back and watch Gladiator. Yeah. You know, it's only, it's four years, five years prior to this movie. And it looks much better. It looks much better in every single way. And we talk about that. So anyway, to, to the, the final point of that is, before we getting into design and all that, um, this movie is much more of a lesson to be taught to the studio system in Hollywood mm-hmm. than it is at all lessons to be taught to us in, cu- in current culture about Absolutely. tragic arrogance or, or anything like that. Greed. It's, it's, it really is an analog for that. I mean, you, you can't just throw money and velocity at something yeah. and expect it to work. Now, on a financial level, it did work. It did. Not here, but over, overseas, people loved it. And yeah. Again, we'll get into that later. Mike, do you think that... Despite everything that you just talked about, the writing and blah, blah, blah. Because we know, and if you guys go back and watch our Gladiator episode, which is a phenomenal episode, it's my favorite movie. Yeah. Um, the writing in that movie was not good either. No, it was mostly it was falling done apart. It was written on, on site. Yeah. Uh, Russell Crowe, like, walked off set numerous times saying that the writer sucked and that, yeah. you know, he could make his shitty writing good because he's the greatest. At, blah, 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 blah. Do you think that if Brad Pitt gave a Russell Crowe worthy performance, a Gladiator performance in this movie, could it have saved it? Or would it just be like watching something great in a pile of shit? Uh, I, I think a couple things. So the first thing is we've talked a lot about Brad Pitt and um, 
his quality as an actor. And it's it's like when you when you sort of rank actors and you think about mm-hmm. what they're capable of doing, there's different kinds of actors, right? So yeah. we both love Daniel Day-Lewis. We both love Johnny Depp. We love these actors that can really yeah. disappear. I mean, yeah. classic, yeah, I guess you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. In his day. Mm-hmm. The guys that can really disappear in roles, like where you, you really believe them. Then The next level of guys are guys where they do an excellent job at what they're doing, but you can usually see the actor in the role. Like, mm-hmm. Cruz very rarely ever loses you. No, he's always Cruz. Yeah, but, I mean, he's so good at what he does that he'll get you, but, like, it's not really the same as watching somebody who just disappears into a role. Right. And then you like have Cruz guys... Cruz Magnolia is... I mean, even though he's playing a version yeah. of himself, it's the vulnerability that you never see. Yeah, and and to some degree, I mean, Cruz is able to be a chameleon in some of those roles. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very good at it. With Pitt, it's like... This movie is a great example of what he wasn't capable of doing. Like he, this he's terrible in this movie. He's not terrible because he particularly like over or underacts certain scenes. It's I think like he overacts almost all of his scenes. I just his delivery. I think he's not, he's like not suited for for this character. Like right in a way where you talk about Crow. Crow's a true brilliant actor. Like mm-hmm. Crow loses me in his greatest roles. Absolutely, I just I get lost. And so I think about Brad Pitt in the roles where he's been heralded as really great. Which the ones is like Fight Club, Inglorious Bastards, Twelve Monkeys, yes, yeah, Snatch, like mm-hmm. uh, Benjamin Button. Like he's got some really great roles. He's also got like he just sort of sounds like Brad Pitt talking. Like for instance, a lot of the scenes that he's talking in this movie, I'm just like. I kind of just feel like I'm watching Rusty from Ocean's Eleven right now. Right. You know? Right, with an accent. Yeah, like you don't... And like a brevity. He just doesn't... Like, okay... <laughs> Is there no one else when he's doing that? There's no one else. That could be. That could have been so sweet. It could have been so cool. Well, that was the moment. <laughs> that was the moment. Because uh, actually, we'll talk about that right now. We're gonna get into our fist pump moment. Ben, yeah. can you please intro the fist pump moment? Because I want to show mine in the clip, and then we'll talk about right after my fist pump moment. And that moment. Yeah, okay, so fist bump moment is the, is the part of the show, guys, where if you ever have that moment where you're watching a movie, and I like to say this is when you're by yourself, because that's like yeah. when fist bump moments really are the greatest. It's like something happens in the movie, you want to pause it, rewind it, go get your roommate or your girlfriend or whatever, and be like, hey, you have to come watch this. Or you have, if nobody's around, you want to call your, your best friend and just be like, dude, have you seen have you seen Warrior? Oh, like Mad Dog Grimes, that's such a cool right, fucking scene. Right. Uh, and you get so pumped up, um, and, and it could be anything, you know what I mean? It could just be like, you're watching Terminator 2, and it's like, and you're just so pumped up. Could be anything. Could be the credits in a movie. Could be a one-liner. You know, it could be like when Schwarzenegger's like, "This Captain Minister, because he always travels on the wrong side of the border." Damn him! Damn that man! Could be anything. Uh, and so that's what we talked about here. And so fist pump moment is that moment in the movie for you where you're just like, "This is sweet." Yeah. Um, and as bad as this movie is at times, it definitely has some fist pump moments. Totally. For better, or for worse, there's some good ones. Uh, and I think I'll, we'll cue yours, and you can go first. Okay. Because... So I'm going to talk about this before we cue it. I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you, Mark. Um, so we're, we're going to see 13 Hours. We've, you know, things didn't work out. So we go back. We're at Ben's house. We're about to turn on Troy. And I'm like, he, he's like, well, let's talk about it. What, what other movies can we do? And I'm like, just watch the first 10 minutes with me. Yeah. Trust me. So my fist pump moment is when Achilles. You can cue it, you can cue it Yes, please. Uh, is when Achilles gets called out and he comes up and there's this just gigantic, gigantic soldier that he's supposed to fight. And his just, it's just nonchalant casually just destroys him. Perhaps you should fight him. Achilles. Because he's still sweet right here. Yeah, oh yeah, he's cool. Yeah. And he has that sweet line right before this. Mm-hmm. That is why no one will remember your name. That is why no one will remember your name. Yeah, yeah that's a good line. Cox. <laughs> <laughs> It just sounds exactly like uh, Tyler Durden. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, this is all sweet. Yeah, this I'm is good. Totally You're in. in. Totally in. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, Ben's into this movie. This is going to be sweet. And then this moment's going to happen. He's going to be even more into it. Yeah. And then he's going to say the sweet line. Yeah. <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Doesn't even care. Nope. Dodge. Straight through the trap, into the heart. Done. So sweet. 
But but then. Is there no one else? And then uh, that's that was the moment. Is there no one else? Which uh, like no fault to Brad it's here. It's not yeah. It's not like he. I don't. It's like I don't really think he blows it. It's like. It's just something about it. Like that, that's the that's what I'm talking about. That's the flaw in Brad Pitt. It's like yeah. he's he's missing he's like missing something. Even though he's the most badass warlord fighter soldier, yeah. he's not he's just not a badass. Yeah, like I was just try, like if you try to think about like if that were if that had been uh Crow. Yeah. Like it it would have just been better. It would have been way better. Like way sweeter. And that was the point. That was when I realized what was happening when we were watching this movie. It was I was like, yes, there's a lot of sweetness in this movie, but then it's followed with things like that, and that's what the next two and a half hours are gonna be like. So that was my fist pump moment. I think it's super awesome. Yeah. And then it immediately goes down. Yeah, well, and the funny thing is I was like rooting through like great action scenes last week. I, I didn't even tell you, but I came across that scene. I watched mm. that scene. I had never watched the movie, but I just watched that one scene. Really? And that's why I had seen it already. Yeah. And, and like I was like, oh, this is sweet. I was like, this movie is probably pretty sweet. Right. And like that, yeah, so I had seen it. Um <laughs> All right, so my fist pump moment is uh, it's the first time you see Brian Cox. <laughs> it's literally just Brian Cox on screen, and you see him, and he's got these this ridiculous like braided hair. He's like five foot four, and he's like, like, and he's like, he's like this fat king who's like just like a CIA agent from like the Bourne movies, right, right? Like he's a character actor who like is a great actor, so it's not like the material is over his head or something. It's like of course he could do it. It's just like. That was a big problem for me in this movie. It's like the exact same thing happened when I saw Brennan Gleeson he minutes like later. He looks like a hobbit. Yeah, he looks, like, he looks like a hobbit. You see him and I just like, I just saw him and I just like laughed out loud. And I was like, Brian Cox, all right. Yeah, right. That's what this movie looks like. And I was just like, fist pump, fuck yeah, this is sweet. <laughs> like, I can't wait. Then I saw Brennan Gleeson. And I was like, another, oh, of course. Yeah, of like, course. He looks just the same. And I know they're brothers. It's like. I'm going to change my thesis statement to that Brennan Gleeson and Brian Cox are the greatest <laughs> brother combo of all time. Of all time in any movie. Yeah, even over Edgerton and Hardy. Uh, yeah, pretty great. That was, I mean, that was my fist bump moment. I just like, couldn't find another mo- a moment in the movie where I felt as affected as the first time I saw Brian Cox right. in costume. Um, anyway, so that's, uh, that's, that's that. That's we fist digress. bump moments. We digress. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's move into star profiles and, mm-hmm. and production development a little bit on this movie got made and all that. So let's start with uh, Brad Pitt. Cue the picture, please. Um, Where's his head? Oh, wait, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in this film. <laughs> Look at that body. So jacked and oily. It's glimmering. Yeah. I bet you there's a lot of baby oil on set. Yeah. A lot of baby oil. Yeah, this is like, this is Brad, Brad, what's a good, like, porn name for the, the actor that plays Brad Pitt? What would it be? Like, Brad Dick? Brad, <laughs> Brad Python Pitt. Or, I don't yeah. know. We're not, that's not what we think we pay us for. In, like, uh, Inside Your Trojan Horse or something like that? Oh, God. This is horrible. <laughs> this is getting really uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, anyway, so, uh, let's talk about his movies that he made prior to this. So, so Brad Pitt was, was, he was a golden boy. Yeah. I mean, I guess at this point, the nineties were huge for him. Mm-hmm. The nineties were like Brad Pitt coming up at the same time as like Damon, Affleck, you know, he was very much in that same generation of but actors. He, but he was a, a st- like a leap ahead of them. Yeah. Well, sort of, right. Cause they won the Oscar. Right. In 98. For and, writing. Yeah. And he got the nod in 95 for 12 monkeys. Mm-hmm. And so by the time like 2000 rolls around and you're looking at like, you're looking at like, okay, you know, Matt Damon had done Ripley. So you're like, oh, he's, he's the better actor of the and two. And identity. Yeah. That's like, oh, three, I think, mm-hmm. right. It's the year before this. And then Affleck had, you know, Pearl Harbor had come out in like 2000, 2001. So they were all very much like the forefront guys, right? I mean, to some degree, you could even have put like, Josh Hartnett would have been a step behind him, right? Yeah, Josh Hartnett. Like, he's the kind of actor that was a kind of a step behind these guys. 40 Days and 40 Nights. It's a good one. People love that movie. Yeah. So Pitt's movies right before this, Ocean's 11, 2001, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, 03, and then Ocean's 12 and 04. Mm-hmm. And so, that, the, the reason I put Sinbad on there instead of, because he had another action movie a little farther back, that's like the definition of one of those things where you get the biggest A-lister in the world and you throw his name on a digital movie or an animated yeah. movie and everyone's going to go see it. So that's why I put it on there is because that's his that was his star power at the time. And then with Oceans eleven and twelve before and after that, like Yeah. It's huge. Those huge. movies were massive. Gigantic. Yeah, yeah, gigantic. And I mean and his run really, really continued. Like it was it's funny because it's after this movie, uh like 
mid mid like oh five oh six oh seven that yeah. I think he actually really came into his own as an actor. Right, that's I when think, he does like isn't that when he does like the Mexican and I think it's a little earlier, but like Babel, I think it's like oh six. Yeah, okay. and I, I want to say like Benjamin Button's like oh eight or oh nine probably. Yeah, two um, years later, something like that. And like you know, The Tree of Life is like two thousand eleven. Like mm-hmm. he's in some pretty interesting movies later. Inglorious Bastards. Like yeah, I love the way his career's gone. Yeah, and I think it's very important that he did what he did. Yeah, he's had he's just had a good run where he just started to. He just started to be involved in, in better projects and, and mm-hmm. a little choosier. Like, he wasn't going to do Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13. That, those, those are indicative of, like... And, and in Troy is another one where you're just like, that's that's right. you signing on to a project and, and being this young guy who wants to capitalize and do the biggest movie you can do. And I mean, he could have thought it was going to be an Oscar movie. He probably did. Yeah. I mean, you can't blame the guy. Absolutely. It's, so, yeah, or I think... Is it? Or his abs. Yeah, he got ridiculous. I mean, that's, like, the funny thing is I remember this movie came out. I had no interest in seeing it. Mm-hmm. This and Alexander were, like, right around the same time. Ugh, poor Alexander. Yeah, and this movie made all the money. That movie missed. But really, the story that came out of this movie that everyone talked about, there was two things. It was how naked the smoking hot Diane Kruger got yes. and how hard Brad Pitt worked out to look the way he looked. Diane Kruger looked great. I think that Diane Kruger is the most interesting part of this movie. I wonder why. I love <laughs> Diane Kruger. I think that Peter O'Toole is the most interesting part of this movie. He's very good. He's very good. <laughs> but have you seen her? Uh, I read that the, in the director's cut, by the way, which is almost 40 minutes longer. Oh, perfect. Um, there's a lot more Diane Kruger nudity. I just read this today. <laughs> so we'll be watching that today. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, I, but I think that actually, that despite the fact that like there was some nudity in this movie... Mm-hmm. Or, I, I always forget this movie's rated R. It, yeah. it totally feels like a PG-13 movie. It totally does, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Alexander had like far more uncomfortable nudity. Don't you see like, Colin Farrell's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, you see like, Colin Farrell's like, sack in that movie yeah, from behind something. or something? I, I've only seen it like once. I've and never I, yeah, watched I it. forgot it. Um, that's got to be why this movie did so well worldwide and not domestically. Yeah. It's because it was rated R. It should have been a PG-13 movie, and it would have made, I guarantee you, it would have made at least twice as much money in the States. Oh, my God. If this movie had been PG-13, it would be remembered exactly the way I remember it, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, this is, feels, this to me, even though it's an epic, even though it's Troy, uh-huh. feels like Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, totally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it, When they came out, like, I didn't want to see either one in theaters, because mm-hmm. I felt like I was already smarter than this, and like, that's what this movie in, in memory feels like. Yeah. Doesn't feel like I'm trying to think of like a movie that missed the mark. Kingdom of Heaven from 06, I think. Right, and we're gonna get into Orlando Bloom, and, and the reason that I pulled Orlando Bloom instead of Eric Bana for this, yeah, was because we had this conversation during the movie about how this guy has just been pigeonholed into being a bitch. Yeah, and he's not a bad actor. He's not a good no, actor. He has his moments. He has his yeah. moments, but yeah. like, I mean, I pulled that picture for the exact reason that I just said. Yeah, like, the poor dude is leg loss, and then he's this guy, and in Kingdom of Heaven, he's he's, he's fine. He's pirates, yeah, pirates. Yeah. He's like a little baby, and he's all crying about his dad. It's like it, he's just been pigeonholed into this role of just being a wuss. He's the wuss. He's the elf with the elf ears. Yeah. He's the like. He's the whiner. He's yeah. He, he's the dude in the movie that isn't Johnny Depp. Like right. Yeah. Like totally. And and I mean, I think the. The other complaint, like I said, there's no there's no emotional gravity to this movie. Is that like there's not a likable character in the whole movie aside from Peter O'Toole. No, he's the only likable character, and he's only likable because he's like feels like he's a good father. Like he's like, yeah, and he also delivers a great yeah speech. Or I mean, when he talks to to Achilles, is, is yeah. like the it's the best acting in the whole movie. I guess like Eric Bana is kind of likable, but the problem with Eric yeah, Bana is good. The problem with Eric Bana's character in this movie is that he. He comes in, he's defending his brother who's a wuss. So you're like, okay, already, like, it's a shame you have to do, like, do the dirty here a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, there's no way you're going to beat Brad Pitt because he's the star of the movie. So you're going right. to die. You're overshadowed the whole time, yeah. even though you're, like, you're Hector. You're the greatest warrior in Troy. But the whole thing's about Orlando Bloom and Diane Kruger and Brad Pitt. And yeah. you're just in the way. Completely. And, like, that's, if you think about, like, the story, the actual story of Troy, mm-hmm. it, the rivalry of Hector and Achilles is a part of the story that's very important. Right. You're supposed to love and respect they both They should characters. have made the movie about that. Yeah. And he should have been, it shouldn't have been, like, Brad Pitt on the cover. It should have been, like, Brad Pitt maybe is in the movie a little less and Hector's in the movie a little more and you mm-hmm. actually make them, like, it's what Gavin was talking about in the Warrior episode. Two trains running. You don't know how it's going to end. I mean, you know how the story's going to end. But right. From an audience point of view, there is zero part of me that felt in any way confident. No. You know what I mean? I, I like I from about an hour and a half into the movie. I think if you watch it the first time, you can pick everything out that's going to happen. Yeah, Achilles is going to kill Hector. Yep. Uh, Hector is going to kill Brendan Gleeson before he kills Orlando Bloom, and Orlando Bloom is going to avenge everything by killing Achilles. Yeah. By shooting him in the Achilles and get away because arrow. he's a bitch, and exactly. that's how this type of thing works. Yeah. Um, 
I guess the only part that's like surprising is Agamemnon killing uh, Peter O'Toole's character. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, I mean, I get it; it's cool, but yeah. it doesn't suck because of, of anything bad. It's just like I like Peter O'Toole so you, much. It's like you almost would have thought that Agamemnon would have died, but I mean, again, well, it, he does. Rose Brin stabs him in the neck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. Which is a good death. Totally, totally forgot Before about this that. Was over. I will stand over your corpse. Um, I, I did think it was interesting reading, and, and we, we can. Uh, I mean, oh. we sort of have covered. Yeah, Ned Kelly, yeah. 2003, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, The Curse of Black Pearl, 2003 as well, and Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, 2003. I mean, he was a heartthrob. People loved him. Oh, he's massive. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Uh, Elizabeth Town came out. Elizabeth Town, know, like... Which, which is, by the way, did you know that, that um, they went into production with Ashton Kutcher starring? They mm-hmm. fired him after a month because, because, uh, Russell, because uh, Cameron Crowe didn't like his acting. <laughs> they fired him and replaced him with... Uh, with Orlando, yeah. yeah. And that I actually kind of like that movie. That movie's like one of those ones where I, I watch it and I'm like, <coughs> I really want to like this movie because right. I love Cameron Crowe. Yeah. And, and I get it. And like, there are like his his good moments, like yeah. what Cameron Crowe does There's well. Some Tom Petty songs in there are great. Yeah. But he tried to do the same thing. Yeah. Because in, in Jerry Maguire, he's doing the free fall and thing driving. In this movie, he uses Learning to Fly, yeah. which is like the other most famous one. And it's just the same scene. Yeah. And it's like, it, it felt like kind of a retread, but. All right, so uh, production development. Yes. Uh, so David Benioff, who is the writer of this film, actually, unlike the writer of Gladiator, um, whose name is escaping me right now, we talked about last week. Right. Ben- Benioff is is like an actually good writer. He's a good writer. He's the showrunner of Game of Thrones. He's written on almost every episode. He's credited as the creator. Like, yeah. I mean, the guy is a house. Like, he's he's written some. And, and big the first stuff. thing he ever wrote, I believe, was the Twenty Fifth Hour with Ed Norton, yeah. which is a phenomenal movie. Spike Lee film, yeah, yeah, very very good. From like two thousand two or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And then uh, and then he did um, Troy, which you know we can't all be perfect. Yeah, and he has some other decent credits of Brothers in there, which I, I don't, I haven't seen it, but yeah, Brothers pretty good. Yeah. Um, this movie's interesting because Benioff talking about the film actually says that every time there was an opportunity to where you had to choose between the source material and the film, they would always err on the side of what would make the film better. Right. That was the decision that they made. So some of the adaptation stuff from the Iliad, I think, comes from a point of view of let's 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 edit and let's write to make this a more cohesive movie. Um, which is like I don't really know if that's the right thing to have done. It feels like a very kind of predictable and unsatisfactory a lot of a lot of what happens but right. but you can't deviate too much from the story because it is a classic story um, yeah. so but yeah Benioff's kind of a badass I mean Wolfgang Peterson is the director Peterson actually is the director of the very first film we ever did on the show Air Force One yeah I went back and watched one of our very first episodes by the way yeah it's so it's just crazy. It's so, amazing what forty episodes will do. Yeah, yeah. We've I mean with an hour fifteen per episode ish, we've done yeah. a lot of a lot of hours of the show, yeah. and a lot of critiquing of action movies and and the things that make them great. But uh, yeah, Wolfgang, I mean Wolfgang got famous from Das Boot originally, mm-hmm. um, and that's like in the eighties, and so that was a big one, huge one, huge one. And so he he ended up doing um, he ended up doing the Postman. I don't know, but it, we had him on for Air Force One. I mean, not we didn't have him on, but we, yeah. you know, he wrote Air Force or directed Air Force One, which is one of my favorites. I know he didn't he direct a submarine movie. I know, I know that he did. So okay, so obviously he did this film mm-hmm. um, in two thousand four. He did Poseidon in two thousand eight. Um, and again, nobody's perfect. Yeah, Air Force One in ninety seven. I think that we're forgetting the the one submarine movie. That's what I, that's what the movie I think we're forgetting. You know, it was Never Ending Story and Outbreak. Yeah, um, in, in, in the nineties. Yeah, there's something earlier. Can't remember what it is. I feel like the, the submarine movie is maybe like U five seven one. Could like be. That. Either, I mean, there was two that came out in that time. It was U five seven one and K nineteen. K- Widowman and K nineteen is is Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. So I think maybe it is U five seven one. Okay. But uh, in any case, we're <clears throat> just jumping around on him. But yeah, I mean, Peterson is well respected. He has a, a, an epic scale in his mind of how he wants to shoot things. Even Air Force One was a bit of an epic, like in the way they designed the whole airplane. And yeah, everything. and like the landing and all that, and, like the airfield. It, yeah, yeah. These big scenes in mind. So. And, I mean, to this movie's credit, some of that stuff is very cool. Like, the fight sequences are really cool in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that the battle between uh, Hector and Brad Pitt... That's sweet. ...is a good, it's very a good. good fight. And I like the uh, I like the freak out by Agamemnon after Gleason gets killed, and then yeah. they charge, and, like, the warriors of Troy, like, hold him off no problem with yeah. the arrows and all that, it, and Achilles is just watching from a distance. There's, there's a lot of really great moments in yeah, this movie. Definitely. It's just... If this movie was probably 40 minutes shorter, yeah. it would be amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I can't even imagine watching the director's cut where the director's cut is supposedly like three hours and 25 minutes or something. Yeah. 
I was uh, falling asleep at the end of this one. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it was rough. It's just, <clears throat> yeah, it's just it's just missing the mark on that on that emotional level. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, the production team on this movie. This is one of those really hard ones where you have a ton of producers because of the size of the film. Right. Um, you know, this where again, like a lot of the design for this movie is it, done overseas. They built full mm-hmm. sets. You know, like they built Troy. Yeah, in Mexico is where they built the outside of the gates of Troy. Yep. Uh, they, they built the set in Mexico, and so that's like a full sized set. And then they actually built the inside of Troy in. Uh, was it was it Marta? Uh, yeah, Malta. Yeah, Malta. That's what mm-hmm. it was. Um, and so there there was a tremendous amount of money invested into making this all believable. Right, but again, Wolfgang was pretty much he was like the exec, his yeah. the biggest producer on the on the movie. So we're not going to talk about all of them. We just heard the breakdown on Wolfgang, but uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I, I really respect when directors and producers like when they are invested in their own movie. I think that's very important. You know, like it's something they created and they believe in it. Uh, and that's why that's this is the interesting part when we get into critical reception and box office is this movie cost 175 million dollars to make and it yeah. was it was produced by Warner Brothers. Um, it opened May 14, 2004, great summer movie, but the uh, the money that it made in the states was only 133 million dollars, which was very surprising to me. I thought they were going to make a lot more money than that uh, with the, this cast and Brad Pitt and all that. It made $364 million worldwide, which brings it to almost a half a billion dollars. Yes. Which is a good, I mean, that's great turnaround. Great. 100%. I think uh, that year, I think it was in, in the U.S., it was the eighth highest grossing film uh, in domestically. Mm-hmm. And then I think at the time when the, when the totals added up and it was out, finally out of theaters internationally, I think at the time it was the 60th highest grossing film worldwide all time. Okay. Um, but that was in 2004. Right. And you've had a, a lot of things have happened since then. Of movies that have come out and kind of blown it out of the water since then. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I mean, if, if you think back to when this movie came out, what was going on in, in film at the time, like... You always have, you know, the, the copycat effect. So, mm-hmm. so Gladiator wins Best Picture in 2000, and you have Oliver Stone, who had been developing Alexander for a long time, and I'm sure that this movie had been in discussion and been in development for a long time. And so the fact that this movie and Alexander were both being advertised sort of within a year of each other was a turnoff yeah. for me as an audience I member. I mean, you get oversaturated, and that happens a lot. It's happened with volcano movies, earthquake, or natural disaster movies. It's happened with all types superhero movies. It yeah. happens. And it's it's a problem, but it's, you know, who do we who do you appeal to? 100%. I mean, yeah. I mean, The Patriot was 99 and Gladiator's 2000, so mm-hmm. it's like by the time Gladiator comes out and does well... You're just like okay, this this kind of subject matter. Right, because four years prior or five years prior was Braveheart. Braveheart, these yeah. these sort of historical epics, and so I think that when this movie came out, I, I just I wasn't particularly interested in watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, others were. I mean, you yeah, I mean, this movie it, made, a lot. it made forty six more million dollars opening weekend, which is a third of what it made total in the states. Which means that <laughs> this is again not when social media was as prevalent. People were talking. They're like, I went and saw it, and I it was okay. Yeah, you know, probably wait to watch it on video. Yeah, if this movie had come out now, totally yeah. would have been would have been a different story. Absolutely. But critics gave it a seven point two. IMDb gives this movie a seven point two, which is weird, really high. Yeah, that's one of those. That's one of those things where like you talk about your opinion of this movie when you saw it originally, and your mm-hmm. opinion of it now, right? Um, a lot of the the rating on IMDb, a lot of that comes from users. I mean, totally, a, a so, number of them. Who knows? They, they probably did it right when it came out. They could have been my age then, or they could have been you know twenty two then. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which is why that's why I've always felt that the, the tomatoes score is like usually a little bit more accurate. Right. Um, but then again, the tomatoes audience score on this is seventy three percent, which is basically the exact same, same thing. thing. Yeah, critics give it a sixty one, and all critics give it a fifty four. It's a lot higher than I thought. I mean, when we were talking, because we've done this a lot, we've looked at rate rankings of these things a lot, and it. It was one of those where we thought, okay, maybe the critics give it like 30, the top critics give it like maybe in the 40s, and then the audience will give it like in the high 60s to 70s. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's interesting when you look at uh, Brad Pitt's worldwide box office here. Oh, yeah, let's pull up um, this graphic. So Troy worldwide is, it made $497.4 million, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the second highest grossing all-time worldwide film. Um, World War Z made $540 million, but that was also 10 years later. Um, so Troy really by... By an unadjusted metric, is his highest grossing film of all Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah. By far. Which is really a testament to his star power at the time and why this movie probably got made. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of one other actor in 2004 that if you were to put into the role of Achilles, it would have been as big right. in, the, in the commercial sense. I mean, Tom Cruise did uh, The Last Samurai the year before this, and that movie also did very well internationally, but. In 0304, like, 
I mean, yeah, look, yeah. At, look at the movies. It's Troy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and then Ocean's Eleven and Twelve were all in that same little run of Pitt. Yeah. It was like, I guess Russell he could Crow. do no wrong. I guess Russell Crowe, but even then, his brand had already been diluted a little bit. I, I don't think he, he didn't. He, Russell Crowe never did and never will have the star power of Brad Pitt. Pitt because he's an asshole. Yeah. He's known to be an asshole. He's not pleasant to work with or be around. He's just a brilliant actor. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, in, in 03, 04, he was he was doing all of his his Ridley Scott follow ups to uh, to uh, not his Ridley Scott follow ups, his follow up to the Ridley Scott films because it was yeah you know, it was it was Gladiator, Beautiful Mind, uh, Master and Commander, Cinderella Man, Cinderella Man. I think a good year was in there, yeah, right, a little later. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I so I think that's that that's a testament to it. Is ever you know worldwide people love the star of Brad Pitt he, and he had a, he had had a lot of time to build that star up yeah because Thelma like, Louise is 91 I was so gonna say it'd been almost 20 years that's his I break mean, 10 years that's his breakout role and then through the 90s it's like he has all these movies that are remembered by people so so River Runs Through It and and uh, Legends of the Fall Legends of the Fall and you have like you have like Seven and you have mm-hmm. Fight Club and you have like Twelve M- Monkeys Meet Joe Black yeah. Twelve Monkeys like the 90s for Brad Pitt were were big um, that, was, that, was, that was his golden age for sure yeah but he and then he, he's managed to sort of have the second run the whole 2000s they were the bigger more commercial films mm-hmm. and then the, the last decade really has been like indie yeah indie and like critical critically acclaimed yeah. big movies so like you know a movie like um, the Terrence Malick film uh, the Tree, Tree of, Life. of Life, yeah, you know, like great movie. That's like a classic example of like Brad Pitt gets to star in a Terrence Malick movie. That's a mm-hmm. huge deal. Yeah. Or like you know, Brad Pitt is the star of Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Like that's a huge deal. That's like a Tom Hanks role back when Tom Hanks was at the top of his game. Yes, that's like who would have gotten that role exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's I think that's pretty interesting. Um, so I got a couple critic reviews here. Uh, A.O. Scott from the New York Times is a fresh review. Says this big, expensive, intermittently campy example of Hollywood homerism is desperate to be regarded as a classic. It isn't. But it's not so bad either. And I pulled that because that probably could have just been my thesis statement. Yeah. It's perfect. It's it, it covers everything that we talked about. It's campy. It talks about Hollywood homerism, which is what basically what you talked about. Yeah. And and it, it wants to be so badly like Braveheart, like Gladiator, and it just misses. Right. Yeah. Fully, yeah. And so then you have uh, James Bernard James Berardinelli. Berardinelli. Um, Berardinelli from Real Views. <laughs> Should I just do the rest of the episode in that voice, maybe? Uh, probably not. <laughs> All of the visual majesty that hundreds of millions of dollars can buy cannot obscure the perfunctory and not satisfying development of the magic characters. For all of you guys that don't speak that language, no. <laughs> all of the visual majesty that hundreds of millions of dollars can buy cannot obscure the perfunctory and unsatisfying development of the major characters. Which is, that, that to me is like the biggest thing because... Perfect. Like... There's no soul. We talk about this in movies a lot. Any of them. If you think about some of the scenes when Brad Pitt first meets Rose Byrne's character. It just um, makes no sense. She's like left for him as like a slave girl, but she's royalty. And he like... And he can just tell that she's great mm-hmm. immediately. And he's like, you're the only person in Troy that I don't want to kill. Or, right. Or, or, you know, and he's like, you're like, okay, you've, t- you've talked to her for literally about two minutes. You're willing to kill the king... To like stop. To save this slave girl that you know nothing about. Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. Like, it just... Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, like, the the Diane Kruger scenes, like, yeah. she's gorgeous, but, like, Orlando Bloom is such an unlikable character There's, yeah. that, like, their love is just, like, a complete waste of time. Yeah, because you got to have the risk and the reward. Like, the reward is the greatest love. Like, these two, it's just, you don't feel it, ever. You never feel like, really? Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to die for this guy and his girl? It just, it's not worth it. The face that launched a thousand ships. A thousand ships. Now, Sean Bean, on the other hand, is very sweet oh, in this movie. Epic. Yeah. But Sean Bean's just sweet in general. He's always awesome. Yeah, it's Baromir. This is this is the oh, this is two years, three years later. Uh, he dies in the first one. Yeah, he dies he, in the one. Yeah, he already existed. Yeah. Baromir's so good. So sweet. Like okay. the little ones. Yeah. So it's interesting actually just jumping to that movie for a second, because I, I think we've said we'll we'll never do a Lord of the Rings movie on the show. And I totally understand, but they're Literally, some of my favorite movies. Yeah, we might. We like. We are expanding our horizons, and mm-hmm. it's it's definitely like the rules are getting a little looser because it seems to be that it's it's just more fun to do like big budget movies that we like a lot. Yeah. Um. So maybe. But the thing I was just thinking about, like when you try to create scenes that are memorable and epic versus when you try and fail, mm-hmm. and like. The scene with Baromir getting shot with the arrows at the end of the first movie so good. is one of the most memorable scenes in modern cinema that I can think of. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? What are you going to do right now? What? Because I have. Because are you going to talk about how Brad Pitt gets shot with the arrows at the end, and it just doesn't. It just falls completely flat. Yeah, flat compared to it. Doesn't even matter. Like when Boromir gets hit with those arrows, 
not only are they massive, yeah. and it's getting shot by a half man, half orc, yeah. but like you can feel the hits. Yeah. You feel them. And you're like, no, Boromir! And then and then the hobbits are like, no! And they and run in, and, the, yeah, the and orcs he redeems take himself him, like, and he sta- by fighting to the... Yeah. He stands up, and he fights with the arrows in him. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It is. Heartbreakingly great scene. And like Brad Pitt getting shot by these like toothpick-sized arrows from Orlando Bloom's like... Huh. Yeah. Like, his face that he makes is yeah. horrible. It's also, like, I just am sort of, like, he was an archer. He's an elf archer in one of the like, movies. You guys just... couldn't have picked anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just not just good. not good. Um, but uh, in any case, we, we digress. <laughs> we actually like to watch this movie. Yeah. It was, it was fun. I mean, it's, like, definitely enjoyable to talk about. And, like, this yeah. is the nature of the game. It's, like, th- this is a movie that is loved by the same audience and genre that we do. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it counts. It's, like, a movie that we can do on the show. And, and it's not... It's not a bad movie compared to bad movies. No. It's just not as good of a movie on the levels that I expected it to be good. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, should we get into uh, our favorite line? Yeah, I think so. I think that's uh, that's good. I mean, unless we wanted to debate what the ultimate action scene in this movie is. I, I don't know. I, I sort of mm. feel like... The battle between Hector and Achilles? I think so. Yeah. I think it's pretty be. sweet. It's I like, super sweet. I actually like his jump, his like jump punch sword move. I do too. I just felt like they used it five times instead of three times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they should have used it just three times. Yeah. But it's sweet. Yeah. Like I mean, he, uh, he, Brad Pitt took ballet for a while for, to get his for this balance, movie. Yeah. Because he had light on his feet and he had to quit smoking and... I mean, he worked his ass off for this yeah, film. fully. You On know? a physical level, he, he nails it. Yes. Aside from being so tan and so jacked. Yeah. But that's kind of the point. <clears throat> and so blonde. Yeah, he's supposed to look like a Greek god. Yeah, which, and, and like, they, like, blew his eyes up, right? He's like... Oh, did they? Like, I, blue, made him more blue than normal? I think so. I believe it. I don't remember Brad Pitt's eyes ever looking like that. Yeah. Who was staring at his eyes in this movie? Uh, I thought that was the whole point you guys were trying to make. Yeah. <laughs> Mark's called us out. Uh, so uh, let's talk about favorite line. Yeah. Okay. So uh, do you want to go first? Or yeah. Go first? I'll go first. Okay. So um, my favorite line is the hero qualifier. It's when Agamemnon. I mean, actually, both times Agamemnon talks about Achilles, I like both. Yeah. So when he first shows up and he's walking past him and he's like, of all the gods, I hate him the most. Yeah. Which is great. But the real line that I like is when it's when it's Agamemnon. It's Brendan Gleeson and Brian Cox arguing. Right. And he's like. He's like, you just need Achilles. And he's like, he's like, he can't be controlled. Yeah. He's like, he needs to be unleashed or something like that. He doesn't need to be controlled. He needs to be unleashed. He's a master of killing or whatever yeah. he says. I can't remember the exact line. He's like, like, put on this earth to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's put on this earth to kill. And like, that's like a classic hero. That's like fire. literally out of like early 90s action movies. He spent seven years in a Serbian prison. Rambo, John Jay, yeah. helicopter pilot. Language yeah. specialist, yeah. Let's not forget the president flew more helicopter missions under my command than any other soldier. He knows how to fight. He knows how to fight. <laughs> Which is also, that's from another Wolfgang Peterson movie. Absolutely. So he likes that sort of thing. Uh, I have two, but I think I'm just going to stick with one. And it's right after, it's right uh, after Hector kills... Um, Garrett Hetland? Garrett Hetland. Yeah. And he says, and when he approaches uh, Achilles, and he, he's like, I thought it was you. And then Achilles gives a speech, and he's like... You will wander the underworld blind and deaf and dumb, and everyone will know this is Hector, the fool that thought he killed Achilles. Yeah. It's just sweet. Yeah, it's a good line. And then he kills him. Yeah. It's just brutal. Takes him out. His death is gnarly. Yeah. And then he drags him behind the horse, like... Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, it, is, it is sweet that, like, it's just so, like, tragically unabashed. Like, he just, like, shows up and just, like... It's just better. He just he kills just, him. And everything. Just kills yeah. him in front of his dad. Like and his his wife and his brother and yeah. the whole army that he commands. And in that sense, that that part of it is successful. It's sweet. He's yeah. ruthless. Yeah. Just driven by just, just arrogance and anger. And that's and I do like that again, this is why I love our show. Is yeah. you talk about the movie and you you break it down and you realize there's so many good parts about this movie and there's just things that you don't think about. Yeah. And I do love that short moment that he has with his mom, the god, and she's yeah. like, if you go to this war, it'll be the greatest war that's ever happened and everyone will remember your name, but you won't come home. Yeah. And he's just like, glory or yeah. life. Or life, yeah, because he wants, to, he wants to be remembered yeah. uh, for, for dying in the war. And I mean, we is. should also talk about, we didn't even mention it, but Garrett Hetland, if anybody doesn't know the story, uh, um, you know, in, Garrett Hetland was this kid from Arizona who was... 19 years old? 19 years old, and he was driving to Los Angeles for auditions, and he got in with a management company. Uh, I don't know exactly remember which one, but managed to get in with a management company, landed this role as his first movie role. Um, Trying in a month while living in Arizona 
trying to be an actor in LA for one month, yeah. he got this role. He booked this role, and within within the same year, because just because of the nature mm-hmm. of the game, because he's this young, hot new guy, he was in Four Brothers, which and was the Friday Night Lights movie, and the Friday Night Lights movie. So Garrett Hedlund weighs 145 pounds at his natural weight at this time. By the time he was in Friday Night Lights, yeah. he weighed 200 pounds. Wow. He put on 30 for this yeah. and 40 for that, essentially. Wow. Or, yeah, something like that. Crazy. That 200 pounds. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's insane. Um, yeah, so uh, that's favorite line. <laughs> Hero villain ranking is tough in this because they don't rank. I got a better idea this week. What? Because they're not going to rank. Yeah. I already know that. I think that we should rank the characters of this movie. Not from the greatest performance from best to worst, but the sweetest. Who's the sweetest? Who's the sweetest? Well, because I don't think we're going to do a recast this week, right? We're going to no, skip it. I think we should skip There's it. There's just too many characters too many to recast. Characters. It's like right in that middle yeah. to where we can't go new, we can't go old. All right, let's uh, <clears throat> let's do that, and then we'll rank where the movie is on our, on our personal yeah, list. Yeah, we'll do this. I like this. Okay, so uh, so here are, the, here are the ten characters that I think we should rank. Okay. We've got, uh, I'm going to go just by, by actor name. Just sure. trying to remember all of their yeah, characters' yeah, names. Is impossible. Um, we're going to go Brad Pitt, Eric Bana. Orlando Bloom, Peter O'Toole, Brian Cox, Sean Bean, Diane Kruger, Garrett Hetland, Rose Byrne, Brendan Gleeson. We have ten characters to rank. Who is the sweetest? Uh, this is a collective ranking, I'm assuming? Yeah, we'll do it collectively. Okay, who's the worst of the ten? Um, the character who is the least sweet in any way, shape, or form? Um, I think I gotta go, I think I gotta go Rose Byrne is the worst character. I'm going to go her as the absolute... Hold on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So she's 10. Okay. So we're going to go Burn as 10. I think Hetland is 9. He's that bad? I you mean, just, you just hate him. He has not <laughs> I hate him. You know how long I've lived here and tried? <laughs> um, yeah, but who else would it be? Uh, for the 9th? I guess Cox. <laughs> No, Cox, no, Cox is, is way sweet. sweeter. He's like he's like unabashedly fat. Like it's just it's just like Cox is like actually like has an argument as like one of the three sweetest characters. Oh, totally. Because he's so just like he just doesn't give a shit. Unapologetic. Yeah. Like yeah, I love. Imagine that. like the prep that Cox had to do for this movie compared to what Pitt had to do for this movie. <laughs> Brad Cox put on the sweet wig, just keep eating with his armor. <laughs> okay, I'll do the part. Oh, right. uh, um, I, I would say the only argument that I would put at number nine. Uh, that I think it's, I think Hetland is maybe sweeter than is Orlando Bloom. I think for me, Bloom is nine. I'll Bloom. take that. I'll t- I think that's good. I think Hetland goes to eight, and I think Bloom is nine. Yeah, because, because Hetland at least like wants to fight. Yeah, right. like Bloom is like almost the tenth. I would almost argue that he's the worst character in the movie. Like he is the right. opposite of sweet. He kills Achilles, and he's not sweet at all. No, no. So uh, then I would say the the sixth character on this list. Or, no, no, seventh. Seventh. Uh, it's got to be Kruger. Uh, Gleason. Really? Oh, Kruger's so much sweeter than Gleason. She's just hot. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, great. totally. And it's way more relevant. <laughs> totally, and that's what, that's what yeah, matters. Way more relevant than All Gleason. All right, so Gleason is seven. Kruger is six. Yeah, it's not be so, it's not be no, so fast. Kruger <laughs> is six, for sure. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. And then, I think you gotta go Pitt. Yeah, he's like not as sweet or as... It's gotta, be, it's gotta either be Pitt or Cox. Love Cox. Cox. Uh, I, I guess. Do. I guess. I guess Pitt is a little sweet. No. 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 Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Uh, Pitt's a little sweeter. So Brian Cox. Is... No. No. Brian Cox is sweeter than Pitt. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going Pitt next, and then I'm gonna go. And then I'm gonna go. In fact, <laughs> Brian Cox just moved from like last place to first place. So we have uh, we have to go number number four right now. Yeah. The fourth sweetest character. So we have the four the four characters in question left are Peter O'Toole, Eric Bana, Sean Bean, and Brian Cox. And Brian Cox. So I, I guess you got to go. Brian Cox's. No, you got Sean Bean. Cox, Sean, Cox is third. All right, all right, yeah, sure, all right. sure. So Sean Bean is fourth. Brian Cox is third. Bana's got to be two, and O'Toole's got to be one. Yeah, I'll give that to you. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right. So we have in order: sweetest <laughs> to least sweetest. Yeah, Peter O'Toole. Eric Bana, Brian Cox. No, no, Sean Bean. Oh, no, I missed one. Yeah, yeah you're right. Brian okay. Cox, Sean Bean, Brad Pitt, Diane Kruger, uh, Brendan Gleeson? Gleeson, Garrett Hedlund, <laughs> Orlando Bloom, and Rose Brynn. Break out the bronzer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that Peter O'Toole is the best character in this he movie. Is, he is. He really is. And he's the best actor. <laughs> I, I mean, if he's not the best actor in the movie, he's... 
the most accomplished actor in the movie. Yeah, and every scene he's in is believable. Yeah, Eric Bennett grew on me the more I thought about him in this movie. He's, like, he's good. Yeah, I liked him more and more. And then Brian Cox, just because he's, like, so ridiculous. Right. Um, and then Sean Bean. Like, Sean Bean almost, like, moves ahead of him because, like, Sean Bean's just, like, really sweet. Sean Bean. He's always good. Yeah. He's just great. Winter is coming. Yeah, he's great. He's fantastic. Ned Stark. All right, Spoiler so let's, alert. Uh, yeah. Let's let's rank this movie now. Let's see where where on earth this movie lands. Do we have the bottom half or just the top? Uh, just the top half, gents. <clears throat> okay. Well, we don't need that then because yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not going to be in there. Yeah, I should have uh, I should have the the bottom half. I can pull up here. I'm pretty positive that for me, this movie is going to go right above Independence Day on my list. You think so? I think so, but I also think Independence Day might have moved up. But it's definitely ahead of taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Well, that's your worst movie, <laughs> yes. so... That's where you're wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, it's got to be right ahead of Independence Day because it is so enjoyable. Um, the acting, some of it's good enough. Right. You know? Uh, all right, we got a list here. Let's, let's, let's scroll down. Here we go. Independence Day is, is my 37th. This is Andrews? Yeah. This is mine. Yeah, for sure. It's going to go right above Independence Day and right below Demolition Man for me. So, like, Demolition Man is entertaining, but you think it's, like, just, like, generally sweeter? Like, Yeah, I mean, like, if I had to choose between watching the two of these movies, I'd pick Demolition Man for a couple reasons. I, I think it's, I know. It's, it's more <laughs> enjoyable, and then also it's it's half as long. Simon Says. And Simon Says. And it's got, that, it's got that one incredible scene with the... <laughs> like the weird 80s, yeah. like, hip-hop. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. That's, uh, that's sweet. Uh, <laughs> mark down your sheet so you don't forget. Okay, you got it. Um, what about you? Like, I, I know that you have Independence Day really low on yeah. yours. Uh, you okay. have Demolition Man really low. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a, a pretty close. I'm just going to see, like, here, we're going to zoom in on it. So, okay, so I think if, if you're getting down to, like, that sort of, like, okay, like, Taken's better. Yeah, Furious 7 is, like, just more entertaining. First Blood Part 2 is more entertaining. Born Legacy is more entertaining. Jurassic World is... I wonder if this is better than Jurassic World. No, because it's so long. Yeah. Um, I guess I would watch Independence Day ahead of this movie. God, is Troy the worst movie we've ever done? No way. Oh, <clears throat> it might be. Like, I think I think that... Um, Just say it, man. Just get it out there. I'm going to put it between Independence Day and Demolition Man. Hey, same. But ours are switched. So I'm going to put it at number <clears throat> 38. It's the second yeah. to last movie we've done. Wow. And that's like largely because of the length. It's yeah. like it's just like if I watched Born Legacy again, like Born Legacy at least is like shorter and yeah. also sweet. Uh-huh. But like it's not that good, but like this is just too long. Yeah, it's I the- just I wouldn't want to watch Demolition Man again necessarily more just because like it has too much dumb stuff. Yeah. But if if one's on TV, I'll bet you I watch Demolition Man. I bet ahead you of you this. would too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh okay, so we got to rank it now. We got three categories, baby. What are they? There are three action movie categories, guys. The three categories we always talk about are totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, ridiculously legitimate. So if a movie is totally legitimate, that's going to be something kind of in the realm of like a The Fugitive or, you know, like Warrior. Yeah, Warrior. Yes. Movies that hold Terminator 2. They hold together really well. They're dramatic films. Even if they're sci- science fiction, they're just, they're well done. They resonate. They don't age. Mm-hmm. They don't laugh unintentionally. Um, there is Totally Ridiculous, which are movies that like, from the get-go, you just know are silly. That's that category like Face Off and Con Air we were talking about where you just go into it kind of knowing you're going to laugh unintentionally for most of the movie. And like there's not really a lot in the way of like real performances to ground you. Like mm-hmm. It's just not even supposed to be that way. And then you have Ridiculously Legitimate, which is the combo category. So it's like this is going to be something where the movie is really compelling, but it, it makes you laugh unintentionally. There's a lot of really good – like a lot of stuff where you're like – if this was in a different movie or if this performance was in a different movie, I might really think this is great. Mm-hmm. Ed Harris and The Rock, for instance, grounds the movie really, really well. Gary Oldman, Air Force One. Yeah, Gary thing. Oldman. Yeah, so there's usually one really good performance. And just like <clears throat> Point Break is like a very compelling movie with some some funny stuff. But like Swayze's great in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Holds up really well. Um, this is a weird one. It's tough. I mean, it's definitely between Totally Ridiculous and, and, uh, and Ridiculously Re- Legitimate. Uh, for me, I have to go totally ridiculous. I do too. And the reason is because it's so long mm-hmm. that it's like... It's trying way too hard. You're just like sitting there at times in the movie just being like, whether it's how uncomfortably Jack Brad Pitt is to look right. at, or whether it's just like... <clears throat> whether it's just like Orlando Bloom just like making you like a little sick to your stomach when he's on screen. I mean, my moment of knowing that this was totally ridiculous was your fist pump moment. 
Brian Cox. Yes. Yeah. Like, the moment that he came on the screen, we both started laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's the definition of totally ridiculous. I also like, I also like how, um, you know, you know a movie is totally ridiculous when you're like, okay, it's gotta be over pretty soon. You look and there's like an hour, hour 20 left. I know. When you, when we did that, I was like, oh my god, there's still an hour and 10 <laughs> minutes left. Yeah. I couldn't, and I'd seen this movie like a lot of times. You're just like, this is, I don't even, I feel like I'm lost. I'm in the middle yeah, of this. I, I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah. You're trapped. So, uh, yeah, that All pretty right. much, uh, that, that wraps us up to our, our last and final bit of the show, which is called The Pitch. Uh, so this is where we're going to talk about the movies that we may or may not do next week, because uh, this week, obviously, we told you guys we were doing a different movie than we did, but mm-hmm. we're going to go back to our normal schedule. So uh, we are going to be pitching two films uh, with African-American stars in honor of Black History Month. Absolutely. Uh, because and there's so many good ones. Tons. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, it's the action movie. And we genre. probably would we were going to do them anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. It's a good time. It's, uh, so, so who wants to go first with their pitch? This is uh, where we're going to battle out the movies, guys. We're going to sell them to you as an audience. You will vote on Twitter. We'll put up a Twitter poll as far as what movie we're going to do next week. Right. You'll let us know which movie you would like to see us cover on the show next and week. Exactly. And if we don't do it next week, the only reason would be is because we might have some guest stars on. We will do it the following week. We yes. will do whatever movie wins this poll within the next two weeks. Yes. And the movie that I am nominating is The Art of War. <laughs> Wesley Snipes in this movie is exactly our show. Yeah. It lands on every category that you could think of out of a great 90s action movie. Like, it's dumb. It's not written well. There's <laughs> there's nudity when there doesn't need to be. There's excessive killing. The plot is ridiculous. Snipes is badass? Snipes is so badass. He has so many high kicks. Yeah. So many good shots. Uh, there's a shoot-off at the end. It's like a standoff in an empty office building. I love this movie. Is this the one where on the cover he's standing like this with the guns? Yeah, it is. Pretty right? positive. Yeah, yeah. I remember always seeing a cover. Yeah, of this. no. This movie is sweet. Not like how I thought Troy was sweet. <laughs> this movie is actually perfect for our show. Is it two hours and forty eight minutes? It's two hours and ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Uh, my pitch for next week is a little classic, directed by a guy named Tony Scott, Tony. called Crimson Tide. Oh, so good. The first collaboration between Denzel Washington and Tony Scott, starring Denzel and Gene Hackman. As uh, unlikely adversaries trying to pilot a nuclear submarine in uh-huh. 1995. This is a movie that is uh, in the same wheelhouse as The Hunt for October. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Hackman is like the old, old, you know, military, like Navy captain who who, who runs the ship, and and Denzel is the up and coming uh, uh, new captain who is supposed blood. to be. Yeah, they, there's some there's some racial undertones between the yep. two of them, but like they're the smartest guys in the room. It's got a sweet cast. It's got Gandolfini. It's got Steve Zahn. Love it's Steve Zahn. Ego Mortensen. Uh, really, really good cast. Yeah, very entertaining movie. And, and it's the beginning of an era. Tony Scott and Denzel. Yeah, they did five together. This is one when we were very first doing the show. Mm-hmm. We watched this movie together. We did. We thought it was gonna be one of the early episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are very excited to do. I've this I've never movie. seen it before watching. I mean, it seemed like once. Yeah. you know what I mean. But I didn't remember anything about it. It's really sweet. Like yeah. it's it's Tony Scott like really learning his stylized craft. Yeah, it's not quite Tony Scott yet. No, no, because it's yeah. ninety five. Uh-huh. He, he didn't reunite with Denzel until '03. So uh, I hope we get to do that one but i i'm happy to do either i think they'll be great um go find us on twitter guys at ama podcast to vote on it um you can find me at ben bateman media you can find me at andrew guy and thank you for watching an episode about troy break out the bronzer take care bye guys from producers maria menounos kevin undergaro phil svitek and the entire popcorn talk network we would like to thank you for tuning in for questions or comments be sure to visit popcorntalk.com I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.